Come on into my house, y'all. It's Rosie on the house. Well, we'll answer any question you have about your house, home, castle, or cabin. We're specialists when it comes to homes in Arizona, but every once in a while, somebody listening to the podcast or streaming it calls from some other location. I think the farthest we've ever got a phone call from was Essex Junction, Vermont. I don't remember what the question was. And I don't even remember. I, I don't even remember if we knew the answer. I just remember the name of the town, Essex Junction, Vermont. I've been doing a little traveling the last two weeks. Sweet Jennifer and I have been out on the road. We uh, headed down to uh, our home country, South Louisiana, and attended an LSU football game, uh, the one we won against Arkansas. And then we went. Jennifer says I've never seen a white sand beach, uh, so I'll, she says we always go to Louisiana, and you show me. The mud marshes. <laughs> How far do we have to go to see a white sand beach? I said, well, shall we just got to, we just got to cross over to Slidell over there, get by Biloxi. We'll be close. So we went over to Orange Beach, and uh, found a nice little comfortable Airbnb, and she got to walk on her white sand beach. And Gary, uh-huh. I'm gonna go on record. No one will believe this is coming out of my mouth. We went to the LSU Ole Miss game in Ole Miss, in Oxford. Yeah. That is the most fun stadium I've ever been to, and we lost the game. I've never been, I've never been to a game we've lost that I could say I had fun. I mean, we it was seven, it was 1400 yards that game. Oh, it, it was it was outstanding. It was, I mean, he was back and forth. It was 50. I think the score was 55 to 49. Something and those different. fans were so hospitable, so friendly. And the it seats 65,000 people. It was so incredibly clean. Clean? I, I mean, really? clean. Wow. Hotty toddy, gosh so, almighty. Uh, so, hotty toddy, <laughs> my hat's off to the fans at Ole Miss. And that's one stadium I'll go back and visit. And I'm, we've been to a... A couple now, and that's definitely one I'd go back. Well, we're not here to talk about football. We're here to talk about your house, your home, your castle, your cabin. And we've got Anthony on the phone right now. I think he actually wants to talk. He's calling on behalf of his daughter. Let's see if we can help Mr. Anthony out. Good morning. Good morning. What you working on? Yeah, uh, I have a situation here where my daughter owns a home in Gilbert, Arizona, and as you exit the garage, there's an inch and a half drop, and she has pavers in the driveway, so there's an inch and a half drop, and then you you hit the pavers. I'm trying to find out why that was built that way. I would guess that's a mistake and an overlook and maybe a lapse in quality control. I'd be willing to bet you if you walked the neighborhood, you'd see the other neighbor's pavers come up flush with the garage floor. How old is the house? They're all. It's just a brand new home. It's about a year, year and a half. And were you about to tell me that all the neighbors are the same way? All the all of them were built that way. I don't know why they. The garage has a tension, a tension concrete on it. Yeah, post tension. And then you, as you, yeah, post tension. Okay. So when you step out of the garage, there's an inch and a half that drops, and then the pavers start. I don't like. You it. know what I mean? And I don't like it either because I, as you walk in, I, 
I know it's there, and I trip on it. <laughs> Anthony, and what happened was... Is drainage a problem? Were they trying to overcome uh, no, surface back that, drainage? I, had the, I don't know. I had the ROC come out. Uh, the ROC came out because I filed a complaint. Good. And the ROC, they, they came out, and the ROC goes, well, that's just part of the design. And he says, I couldn't see any, no code violation or anything, so we can't really... Uh, code the uh, contractor for that. Well, that's... I go, well, it's a, it's, a trip ha- it's a trip hazard because my wife was exiting the garage. She twisted her ankle and broke her ankle and had to have surgery. Well, the, don't tell me who the builder is, uh, but I would write a certified letter to the builder and ask for an explanation. What is it in their design criteria that that made them decide that they may want to rethink it, given what happened to your wife? Uh, but the fact that it's done in pavers, Anthony, we can pick up those pavers uh, to make up a quarter, an inch and a half. We'd probably pick those pavers up from the garage back about ten feet, and that can all be recontoured to be flush. But gosh, I'd I'd reach out in a certified letter to the builder first, and see if he wouldn't help participate in the in the cost of, of solving that because that seems excessive to me, and and I would have to guess it seems excessive to your wife. I'm sorry to hear she had to go through that kind of uh, injury. So certified, write a certified letter and see if you get a response. The fact that you've already had the registrar out there and looked at it, and they found no. Uh, workmanship deficiencies. Now all you're doing is you're uh, weighing on the home builder's conscience. Can can you come here and help solve it? And he's going to be resistant to do it because if in fact he's designed the entire subdivision to do that, and the neighbors who are equally as aggravated over it as you are see yours is getting fixed, they're going to probably start getting in line and uh, flood the guy with certified letters. <laughs> Now, good uh, luck. Good luck, my friend. I will say that is a nice look, though, having a paver driveway over a concrete driveway. Oh, absolutely. You know, in the beginning, it's not that big a deal, but over the course of time, it's going to hold its its look a lot better, and you see that a lot more going in. But why it doesn't, why it didn't equal up to the level of the garage, is very peculiar. Now, it's it's common to have a step from the garage into the home. And that's by code, but from the garage to the driveway, I, it, it just sounds like they didn't care. It's a, it's a, <laughs> yeah, they I, had a blow-and-go crew that had to get 10 done today. and I'd, I'd ask a lot more questions for sure. You would, you would think you would want that flush unless surface training would be the only reason I would think to do it. You know, even though we, we were on the road the last two weeks, we still monitor all the questions that are coming in on the email. And I can't believe, since we brought it up on the show a couple of weeks ago, that City of Phoenix, along with other cities in Maricopa County, are now have a new uh, perspective on building backyard casitas. I can't believe the number of inquiries that are coming in on backyard casitas. Makes me and, want to look at that company called Granny Pod. <laughs> and what was? Because you, you, I don't remember a restriction that would keep you from putting in. 
No, you could a never. Backyard you were never supposed structure. to put a kitchen in those. You you could put a cabana uh, back there. That, you could put an art studio back there, but they didn't want a kitchen. No two forty gotcha. for the oven. Uh, they didn't want separate utilities. Uh, they all wanted you on one meter for water and electric. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. In this group I was just with the last week, the contractors that come from all over the country. San Francisco was forced into this about 10 years ago because the housing crisis was so severe up there. And the man that's building up there, it's a, uh, near a, a little bit 60 miles east of San Francisco, he says, yeah, when it started, we were building them. I mean, it was huge. And, the, and then the city started reeling it back in, saying, well, we're, well we, we don't want to separate meter these. That causes some complications and factors. But the new ruling in Phoenix is they're actually changing the setbacks so these buildings can be pushed farther back towards the backyard and farther and crowd the neighbor's side yard, which, which were, again, were, was some of the reason we could never go back there and put one in because by the time you saw where the existing house was, where the swimming pool was, and where the backyard and side yard setback were, the, the most we could go back there and put up was, you know, 117 square feet. <laughs> and that hardly qualifies as a secondary housing situation. That's a tight house. So now that they've expanded that uh, building envelope and letting us crowd those setbacks, I just couldn't believe the number of inquiries we got on that one topic. So everyone doing the... Everybody, well, let's see. Everybody's everybody's investigating it for sure. You know, in the last hour we had talked about you know, interest rates and buy or remodel. Um, you know, if you were going to bring your in-laws home or your parents home, and they had a house, you know, you could sell that house, use that money to buy that casita, build that casita, and have have something left over. Well, yeah, depending on where you were moving from, you'd have a lot left over. <laughs> So that that could be another forever solution as well. Well, multi-generational housing took a huge upswing in uh, popularity. I want to say it, it had, goes 10, 15 years ago is when it really started springing up where we, we were being called on a regular basis. Rosie, come look at my property and tell me, how can I move mom and dad back home? Let's take the two hall ba- bedrooms, create a secondary master suite, move the bathroom across the hall so they don't have to cross the hall to get in the bathroom, or let's explore a second-story addition, or let's explore that mother-in-law guest casita in the backyard. And this is going to spike that demand even more so than it was before. So casita, casita remodeling and construction remodeling. Hey, if you're looking for a new career or you know somebody that's getting out of school and looking to get into uh, the workforce, the Arizona chapter of the Associated General Contractors of America is holding a heavy equipment operator and apprenticeship program coming up in Phoenix, October 19th, Tucson, October 20th. You can find that in the events tab at rosieonthehouse.com. And a great opportunity to see if, you know, maybe a heavy equipment operator, one of the big old cat machines, you know, has, is a career waiting for you. That's the other thing I've been getting a lot of emails on. 
<laughs> Your Sanderson Ford commercial. They, they said, Rosie, whatever gave you the idea to sing a Sanderson Ford commercial on TV? I said, it wasn't my idea. That was not my idea. I can tell it took one take, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. right. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's why the music in the background so loud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got out of the car after that. Luis Gonzalez was there, Mr. Whitard. And I, and I said, Max, if this doesn't get you fired, I don't know what will. <laughs> oh, man. Well, look. One other thing, we were talking. If you are looking for a new career, but heavy equipment isn't right for you, yeah, get this Habitat for Humanity Central Arizona is starting a new construction training, a pre apprenticeship program. Now, this is very new. They have the kind of the ribbon cutting for the program coming up in December, so it's not like right awesome. this way, but I mean, December is going to be here before you know it. <clears throat> Great way to get hands-on training, and it's through Habitat for Humanity. So you're the, it, it's just a great experience. If you've never been on a Habitat build site, the people that they're building these homes for, they have to put in 400 hours of their own time. They have to put in, I think, like 50 hours on another Habitat home for another neighbor. Uh, it, it's just a, a very solid community uh, experience. Absolutely. Been been big supporters of Humanity. Habitat for Humanity for decades. And they've got a new training, construction training. Program. I love so you that. you train for the trades while you're helping a family who deserves it. Boy, old Mr. Barlow's not letting any grass grow under <laughs> his feet, is he? No, he man, is not. Man, he's been getting a lot done over there, that's for sure. All right, we've got uh, Jay on the line. We have an open line, uh, which makes our call screener Jess cry. She's in there just crying her <laughs> eyeballs out. <laughs> if you want to talk to Jess... Give her your name, what your question is, dial 1-888-767-4348. Jess, what was that man that called in contesting the insurance and the metal roof? Uh, yeah, so there, we, had, we had a caller that say... Yeah, so last hour, David called about an insurance company not wanting to cover a metal roof, but we had John call in during a commercial break who used to work for insurance companies, and he's testifying that insurance companies typically love metal roof yeah. replacements, and they'll actually give you a discount in certain circumstances to replace from asphalt to a metal roof. So I thought that was interesting to add to I'm, the show I'm, today. I am going to do some research with that homeowner in Scottsdale and just see what exactly coverage he has and what that was for. Because, yeah, in my experience, I know my... I know my insurance company said we we love it. We'll we will give you a discount for a metal roof. Okay, so we'll do a follow up on that next week. Try and dig into that a little more. We've got a question on solar power, solar water heater uh, from Jay. Good morning, Jay. How can we help you, real quick, my friend? Hello, hi. Hey. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I have a a question on a, a Fasco. Uh, solar water heater for the house. Uh, I've had it I moved into the house that was on here, had it for seven years, haven't run into any issues, problems with it whatsoever. But on the drain back tank, uh, there's a glass on the tube where you could see the water level. It's got a grease with some algae in there, and it makes me question kind of the entire system. Is that, is, is that normal? Is there something that you have to do to clean these on a regular basis? I went through the manuals online and couldn't find anything about algae growing. Jay, I'm stumped. 
All I can tell you is go to our website, Rosie on the House. We have two solar experts in Phoenix metro area, Fox Valley Solar and Sun Valley Solar. And I would tell you to reach out to them, uh, let them know what your concerns are and see what they can tell you. It would be a surprise to me that we'd have algae in a solar water heater. You would think the heat would be sufficient enough to keep that from happening. I'm suspect something's wrong, but I'm not familiar enough with the total system to be able to advise you properly. That's why we have the Rosie Certified Trusted uh, Network of Partners, Fox Valley Solar and Sun Valley Well, you Solar. certainly got a lot more out of that call than I did. I couldn't understand what he was trying to say. That was not the best phone connection. <laughs> not, a good, not a good phone connection. Not a good phone connection. Um, some of the other, I, I can go into some of the other emails we've gotten through the week. We've got a question here from someone that has an exterior framed wall that's stucco. This probably matches the description of 80% of your homes. They've got an aluminum frame window, uh, and that window is leaking in, about, and around the stucco area immediately surrounding the window. So I can go into that because it's, it's a, a fairly common problem, particularly if we find out the vintage of your home. If that was a home built in the 90s, I'm sorry to inform all of you, in stucco homes with aluminum frame windows built in the 90s, we were building them exactly wrong. And there was a class action lawsuit nationwide that made us change the way we were installing windows in 2x4, 2x6 frame walls with foam, chicken wire, and stucco. <laughs> and it was because they all leaked. We were doing it the way the manufacturer recommended we do it. And uh, several million homes later, we decided, or the, the manufacturer decided, well, maybe we can rethink this. And they weren't flashed properly. But there are ways you can overcome that. Uh, I'll cover a couple of them when we get back after this bottom of the hour station break. It's Rosie on the house. Now's an excellent time to try and get online with your question. one 767 4348. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Irish is next on the line. Good morning and welcome to the program. How may we help you? Good morning. I hope, can you hear me okay? Yes, ma'am. Sorry, I'm in the car. That's okay. We can hear you. Go ahead. I'm calling because I was wondering if there is a reasonably priced way to add an additional dwelling unit to my property. <laughs> Everything I'm looking well, I'm not sure what happened there, but it don't dropped. answer. Don't answer her question. Okay. You, if you're driving, before <clears throat> we answer this question, you have to pull over and park. It's a good idea. Because when you <laughs> hear the idea. when you hear the number, you're going to have a heart attack, <laughs> and, and then you're going to crash into somebody. 
Irish, I'm glad you asked the question because it is one of the very first things you need to know when considering a backyard casita. Uh, I'm not going to give you the short answer and I'm not going to give you the long answer. Here's the medium answer. If you take a look at some of the real estate appraisal services on the Internet, uh, any pick any one of them. There's three or four of them out there. And just kind of search your neighborhood. Uh, you're going to see that the homes in your neighborhood are probably available in as-is condition for something in the neighborhood of $250 to $300, $350 a square foot. Well, I can tell you, for a contractor to come into that neighborhood and build a freestanding casita with a kitchen, a bathroom, a bedroom, a sitting area, air conditioning, we got to take a look at, and I'm not talking about utilities, because that's always a complicating factor. How are we going to connect up to the sewer? How much electric service do you have? Do we need to increase the electric panel on the main house to backfeed a small sub-panel to the new house? What are we going to do about water? Do we need to expand the water service line from three-quarter inch to an inch or inch and a quarter? But if we look at the typical subdivision where the homes can be bought for about $300 a square foot, we can't come in your backyard and build the casita for any less than $500 a square foot. And more often than not, it's closer to $600 a square foot. And the casita is generally going to be comfortable. To be comfortable, you've got to have 700, 800 square feet. So that backyard casita is a is a three hundred, a four hundred, or a five hundred thousand dollar investment? Kitchen, air conditioning, bathroom, sitting area, little patio adjoining landscaping that ties the two structures in together. That's about where you're going to be. So, as Romy mentioned earlier, one of the things that's driving that is people will come in and they'll have sold a home and they're going to contribute some of the equity from that house to have a family member build this in the, their backyard so they can move in. That's pretty typical the way it gets done. But we're quoting wet space addition square footage at about $600 a square foot, dry addition space at about $400 a square foot. So depending on how the square footage is compared as a percentage of the total, you you got to start at about $500 a square foot. 800 square feet, that's 400000 Now, there is another... I, I, ho I hope she pulled over. <laughs> I really hope she pulled over. There is another option. Um, <clears throat> you, could, you could put a shed out there. You could. Uh, the Urban Shed Concepts, uh, one of our partners allows you to go online and design your own shed so you could get the shed delivered i mean and they, they do some really nice classy styles designs you could have it look like an old barn and once the shed is in sight then you could work with a general contractor or a licensed handyman to do some finished work inside trim out the drywall we'd need to put a sink and a tie-in and a, 
a couple additional dividers inside. But if it's just for one person or, you know, your parents that you don't need a lot of individual rooms for to, to come in and trim out the inside, a closet, bathroom, master bedroom, and then the rest just open seating area and a kitchen against the wall, uh, maybe a closet for the laundry room. You know, you could you could get there a lot faster. And when you're building the shed, though, make sure you select the option for an air conditioning mount. You'll want that. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So there's plenty of options. I mean, there at one time when tiny houses were becoming so popular, there was a company out of I think Atlanta called Granny Pod, and uh, they it, it was like a, a RV without wheels, and you actually craned it into your backyard, and it was a bedroom, bathroom, kitchenette, sitting area, and um, the peculiar, very peculiar concept with that one is you didn't have to buy it. You could lease it if you didn't feel like your family member. <clears throat> Understood. Yeah. Very interesting concept. But I do, I'd have to check and see if the, I have to do a little Google search. It was Granny Pod. I, I thought it was very creative. <laughs> well, and <clears throat> when I heard pod, I thought it was something that you would, like, launch. And when I well, found out you had, couldn't launch it in the air, I kind of lost interest. It, well, it, it. kind of looked like that. It kind of looked like it looked just like that, a, a pod that you would hook with a crane and just drop in the backyard. I'll say this. These uh, <laughs> containers you see on these trains, they have, some yeah. people have turned those containers into some nice little they have. backyards. They have. Mm-hmm. The container uh, units are another way you could tackle that. Um, but then you've got to spend so much money trying to make it not look like a container. <laughs> oh, mercy. Well, Romy, our do-it-yourself tip of the week is uh, kind of kind of a poopy topic. It's uh, what does the wastewater do once it leaves your house? And it kind of explains what we do with water in Arizona once it leaves your house. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail that we went into in the article because it's not a subject I like talking about. But uh, one thing I do want to make a very real impression with people is a lot of times uh, if you've never kind of lived out in the country or you come from a very urban environment and you move into areas like Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, uh, many, many, thousands of those homes are on septic systems. And I know a lot of homeowners, buyers, shoppers, who are a little bit reluctant to get into a home on a septic system. Well, I can tell you this, that from the day my family moved to Arizona in 1966 to today, I've never lived in a home that wasn't on a septic system. So properly installed, properly maintained, there's nothing for you to be fearful of. Uh, living in a home with a septic tank. It's a very acceptable way to dispose your waste. We go into more detail in the do-it-yourself topic in the the newsletter. And in both instances, you know, just the the biggest violator is people flushing other products down there. You know, it's it's not a, a garbage can. And that can create a lot of issues for your septic system and your leach fields. On, if you're on a city, 
the, the water that the municipalities collect gets repurposed. And if they're getting a lot of Q-tips and, you know, other stuff, paper towels, you know, things that aren't designed to immediately degrade and water like toilet paper is, it, it keep, continues to add to the cost to clean and purify that water. And like, well, <clears throat> what did they do with that water? Uh, a lot of our golf courses, you know, you s- the water that's going on there, that's reclaimed. The water <clears throat> that we use to steam and turn the turbines at Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant that creates a lot, a of, lot water. of the energy for us. A lot of water. That's all wastewater that comes through. Did you see where city of, city of Phoenix is going to um, remodel the Cave Creek water treatment uh, plant? There's, they're going to spend $30 million introducing a new higher level of, of uh, sanitizing the water. And if it works there, it's something they're looking at to expand to all their water treatment plants. I'm going to be interested in following that. Very interesting. And there was another, you know, that construction that was on 32nd Street for the last couple of years that just kind of tore up that whole area in, in North cow, Phoenix. Man. That was That had nothing to do with road construction. That was all... <laughs> Uh, managing our wastewater treatment system and pumping wastewater from one location to another for proper uh, sanitation, distribution, and repurposing. So you can find out more about that if you're so inclined at uh, rosieonnows.com. And uh, if you're one of the Rosie Insiders, you got it in a newsletter in your email box this particular week. All right. We've still got calls coming in. Let's see if we can go to Leah. And we've got time for your call if you'd like to reach us at one 767 Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call here. I love your program. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I have a, a mobile home, and it's, um, it's a small lot, and I have a great big giant pine tree in the back. But I want to build a two-car garage back there, a metal garage. And a friend told me, well, I don't think you should build it because it's going to have to go right up to that pine tree. And I bet the roots will come up and ruin the concrete. So I don't know what to do. Uh, Does concrete, if they pour concrete for a garage, would that last at least 20 years or is it going to start cracking on me? That's what I wonder. I I can't bring myself to cut down that big, beautiful tree. Yeah, that's that's hard to do. There are, how close do you think the building is going to be to the trunk of the tree? Well, I'm going to try and get it as close as possible, maybe three, four, or five feet. Okay, well, that's that's going to hurt you a little bit, Leah, because we can come into a large tree like that, and we can create root barriers and cut the root, and everything that's going underneath the new structure can get redirected. But we don't want to ever do that that close to the trunk we want to be farther away from the trunk than that i would tell you i'd probably get uh, some of our tree arborists out to take a look at that uh, there are ways you could get the garage constructed uh, they would be a little bit independent of that tree root but uh that that large a pine is it a lepo pine i'm Oh, I don't, I don't know what kind it is. It's about 40, 50, I don't know, 40, 50 feet tall. It's been green forever, and I never water it in 20 years, (laughs) but it's gorgeous. Uh, It probably is in Aleppo because the Afghan pines really weren't popular for planting that, you know, that long. Back then. Yeah. 
that that's going to be a challenge, Leah. It really is. There there are ways we can overcome it if the lot's big enough. But I think we're just a little bit possibly too tight on your property. Thank you for the kind words about the show. I'd like to think we can be of some help in every question every Arizona homeowner has concerning their house, home, castle, or cabin. You can reach us one triple eight seven six seven forty three forty eight. Winding down the last segment of our three-hour program this morning. We do have a bevy of callers that tried to squeeze in here at the last minute. Let's see if we can knock out one or two of them here real quick. Let's bring Dave into the conversation. Mr. Dave, your question, sir. Hey. Yeah, I, I'm from the Midwest and uh, moved to Sun City in 2016. Uh, this time of year and in the spring... We have like six box window fans, one going in each corner from about 5 o'clock in the morning till 8 or so when it starts to warm up. And it really helped our energy bill. But I never hear of or have seen many people use a whole house ventilation fan. Usually it was a 24 to 36-inch automatic louvered fan that was in the ceiling in the center of the house open up all the windows, turn the fan on, and draw fresh air through every window in the house. Is that a viable option here in Phoenix? With with proper engineering and thought, it can be. And here's why they never really took off in Arizona. One, you're going to be forcibly uh, vacuuming in all of the dust that lives in our air. It tends to make for a fairly dusty house that's usually the ladies uh complain against them the other thing you're going to do with that 24 inch by 24 inch hole in your ceiling going up to your attic is you're going to want to be able to cover that in the garage in the attic in such a way that it's completely covered with a r38 insulation blanket when it's not being used because that big a hole in your house in the middle of the summer is going to cost you money not save you money but for what it does bring in some nice fall and spring air in the right in the right setting in the right time it's great but no you're gonna you're gonna have a dirtier house dustier house um, and you will need to find a way to close that thing off very well in the middle of the summer don't let that hole in your ceiling just sit with those louvers closed. That's not enough insulation protection to save your air conditioning. It oh. is very interesting, just the different ways and, and creative ideas people come up with trying to save a, a, a buck off of a utility bill. They'll spend 10 times what they'll ever get a return on. Sometimes. They, 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 <laughs> sometimes. Let's see if we can go to Jeff. He has an interesting question about electric panels in Arizona. It sounds like he's a, a newcomer to our great state. Good morning, Mr. Jeff. Hello. Hey. Hey, yeah, I got a question about electrical panels on the outside of the houses. Yep. Why, why are they there? <laughs> uh, well, it's just the way we've always done it, Jeff. I know a lot in the Midwest and the South 
you've got one disconnect on the outside and then the electric panels are split into many sub panels maybe one or two inside the house or maybe one in the in the basement or in the garage itself but uh the the fire department really likes having that disconnect on the outside of the building should they need to get there in a first responder situation suppress a fire they'd like to know they can turn all the electricity off in the entire house it is it is a little bit unique the way we do it in arizona and uh, but i know a lot of people move here and they immediately put a lock <laughs> on that because they don't want people getting in there and playing tricks throwing the breakers and stuff that hasn't typically proven to be a problem. Very common question for people that move here from the Midwest. Why is my electric panel out there exposed for everybody in town to come and turn my breakers on and off? <laughs> you also see a lot of block wall backyards where in the Midwest, you know, the fencing you know, can be non-existent in a lot of neighborhoods. That's where you true, just too. stroll, you know, from one neighbor's house to the other where... In Arizona, for whatever reason, the backyards are always fenced off with a with their own private back block wall. And I don't know how we got started so heavily in that tradition, because it is pretty unique to Arizona that everyone has a walled-in private backyard. I don't know. I, I don't know where that got started. A lot of people want to know why we don't have any basements in Arizona, and they think it's because we have caliche. It's not. Anyway, we did not get to leaky windows and stucco walls, so we'll have to follow up on that next week. If you've got a question or dilemma or anxiety about your house, home, castle, or cabin, all you need to know is rosyonthehouse.com. We're here free to every Arizona homeowner.